Elliot, we're recording this the day before the big day, the first time in 99 years that a total solar eclipse has actually crossed the continental United States. And you know what? It's got me thinking. I swear to God, Keith, you better not be setting up a Bonnie Tyler joke. I am so tired of hearing it. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Keith Conrad and Elliot Serrano. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. Geek Counter Geek number 97. I'm Keith Conrad alongside uh, Elliot Serrano, as always. Elliot, you got your eclipse glasses. I have no eclipse classes, although I, I think that um, considering uh, I, I hear it's going to be cloudy in Chicago the day of the eclipse. It is. So people, yeah. People, yeah, people are going to be running out, buying the glasses, and they're going to look up and see the eclipse getting eclipsed by clouds. So, uh, so it, Elliot, the Hollywood Reporter is reporting from Hollywood that uh, an Obi-Wan Kenobi spinoff movie is officially in the works. You know, we've been hearing about it for years and years and years. And now it might actually happen. And, well, uh, you know what it, you know what it is. I mean, you and McGregor. People kept asking you and McGregor over and over and over again. Will there be an Obi Wan movie? Will there be an Obi Wan movie? Hey, you want to do an Obi Wan movie? And you and McGregor would keep answering, "Yeah, I like work. I like getting paid. <laughs> you know, I like having a check." So. Of course he's going to say, yeah. But the problem is, this now encourages Samuel L. Jackson for that Mace Windu movie. Uh, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way. But, you know, I, you know, call me a, a heretic. I, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to seeing that. You know, if, we, if we've decided that, that uh, Mace Windu survived, and that's an option as a story, seems like that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, I, you know, why not do a young Mace Windu movie? Do some more uh, pre, like some more Clone War stuff. The Young Mace Windu it, Chronicles. Yeah, you know, talk about him, him and his anger issues when he was a young, uh, a young Jedi Padawan with, um, with his, um, with his um, Jedi Master um, Vicus Vegas. You know, <laughs> they would go to diners together and eat and eat pork chops and talk about. You know, the, the, well, they talk about how how Ugnats have real personality. You know, those those Gamoran guards. You know, if you're going to meet a Gamoran guard, it better have some real personality. You know, a really charming charming Gamoran guard, because you don't eat Gamoran guards. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, you know, I, I, for for me at least, you know, being a, sort of on the the borderline of you know the the younger millennials. They really embraced the the prequels in a way that uh, people, I would say, about my age and older, uh, who are old enough to know better, uh, did not. Uh, but well, but did I you but like Rogue one, you know, to to me, I, I think that uh, you know, Ewan McGregor, he he was really the, the bright spot of the uh, of the prequels. No matter what side you you fall on, it it seems like he was pretty universally liked. It's funny because um, he would he was cast in the Phantom Menace back in 97, 98. And this was right after Train Spotting. He was still known as an indie movie kind of guy. Um, and then after um, the prequels, he went on and boom, doing a whole bunch of things, he even started 
producing and directing his own films. Just recently did uh, Train Spotting 2 um, with Danny Boyle. So Which he's, is he's completely made. unrealistic because they wouldn't have lived this long. <laughs> the heroin addicts aren't going to go that far. Um, but and so, yeah, it, it's it's kind of neat, you know, seeing where he is. Uh, it's funny, too. He's getting he looks more weathered and aged. So I guess if you're going to be playing him, if he's going to be playing Obi-Wan again, let's say even if he's been living on Tatooine for years and the story of, of him on Tatooine for how many years um, that, that he's probably at that age where he'd look like it. I, he already he already did a trial run once when he played uh, Jesus in that uh, in the movie about him fasting in the desert for 40 days. So, you know, nothing new. Yeah, and I, I think uh, a, a fan used uh, footage of that to make a, a trailer for a, a Kenobi movie, which was kind of cool. Right. And then there's already there's been a Kenobi book uh, that, that um, kind of covered that same territory. And there's already been a story about Ben Kenobi on Tatooine looking after Luke done in the Star Wars comic. So, you know, this his, his quote-unquote self-imposed exile. They've already kind of set parameters for it. I'll be honest, though, I, I don't know what you can really do, you know, uh, what new territory there is to cover there. Maybe, I mean, unless you want to cast a young Luke Skywalker <clears throat> and explain how it is that when Luke meets Ben Kenobi at the beginning of A New Hope, he's not surprised to see him at all. And at the moment, Ben Kenobi tells him, hey, you know what? Your father wasn't uh, a pilot on a spice freighter. He was a he was a pilot in the, in the Clone Wars. You know, he was a great hero. And Luke's like, oh, OK, my uncle's been lying to me my whole life. But you, I'll believe this stranger <laughs> that I just met. He, t- <laughs> really? he told me differently, so I will believe you. Well, I guess it depends on, uh, you know, the, the spinoff universe that they're creating. And obviously there's only been one so far. And we don't know what the unnamed Han Solo movie is going to do to tie into the other movies. But uh, Rogue One obviously very directly tied into uh, A New Hope because, you know, it ended with the beginning of, of A New Hope. Um, I mean, you don't necessarily have to have that happen with a Kenobi movie. And it's not like he necessarily had to be sitting on Tatooine the whole time, you know, with an earshot of the of, you know, Uncle Ben's, um, you know, moisture farm to, uh, you know, to, to watch over Luke the whole time. He may have gone off and had his own adventures, you know, some. So somebody he knew may have, you know, found him on Tatooine and said, hey, I need your help. And they go on an adventure and then he comes back and watches Luke again. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I think they did that in um, Clone Wars, not in Clone Wars, in Rebels. And somewhere in there, they talked a little bit about that. So, um, well, it, in, it, uh, I, yeah, it did in, uh, in, in Rebels, uh, Ezra finds Kenobi. So he never, never really leaves never Tatooine leaves. in that, at least right. not, not yet. I mean, may, maybe in next season he will but i I, they they seem to be setting up that as you know like obi-wan kenobi's one cameo appearance in the series yeah luke i'm getting too old for this sort of thing you know it's like he's (laughs) (laughs) yeah after a while you're like okay look i I don't know again in the star wars universe once you hit 60 life is over for you (laughs) you know you're too old to go adventuring and when you do you die yeah, it, so. it's funny that, uh, you know, you'd think that in a, 
in a place where they've obviously mastered interstellar travel, the life expectancy would, would go up. But in the Star Wars universe, everybody <laughs> seems to be dead at age 60. Well, humans, at least. I mean, the, the, the aliens, the other aliens live hundreds of years. Like Chewbacca is still around. And he, yeah. was, all, he was over 100 years old when we meet him in, <clears throat> in A New Hope. And he's still going, you know. And Yoda is 900 years old. Yeah. But 900 years you reach. Lucas, could you not? I think it was 800. It was 800. Uh, I'm, 800, 900. I mean, at that point, you just you just got stop keep, keeping track because your your birthday cake just becomes a big fire hazard if they try to put <laughs> put uh, candles in for every year. Well, you just get one big, you know, you just get a the numbers right, and then you just, it's like an odometer. You just keep switching the last number in your cake in the in the, in the little bit there in the the three uh, three candles. Yeah, just because uh, you know. It's it's a uh, it's a uh, I I've literally completely forgot what I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a brilliant insight. I will I will tell you that much. Dude, so old he's got an odometer on his cake. Yeah, <laughs> birthday cake. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah but, you but, know but, they. We'll see. I mean, people have been clamoring for an Obi Wan movie with you and McGregor for a while now. Um, I just hope it's it's good. Yeah, and you know, no matter what they come up with, there's going to be a a, a group of people who are going to say that their childhood was just destroyed. Yeah, childhoods. You know, you think about it. I mean, okay, so uh, for, who who would be the destroyed childhood? Would it be the fans of the original trilogy, where Obi Wan is only really around in the first film, or we talk about? Pre, you know the the prequel fans you know the who saw obi-wan grow up through the three films are they the ones who are going to be feeling betrayed you know if this movie sucks i think there's going to be like uh like 90 percent of the movie going population that sees the movie is going to think it's great and 10 uh, percent will think it's horrible and their childhood was just destroyed and it will be equal parts of both which will be <laughs> very confusing <laughs> You're gonna have your uh, your uh, um, your your you know fifty sums from the classic trilogy who are gonna complain about their childhoods. Then you're gonna have your thirty sums who are be complaining about their childhood. And then you're gonna have you know the kids who are you know the kids who are being born right now who are seeing that movie, not realizing that soon, in about twenty years, their childhoods will also be ruined. Yes. Now, uh, so, so we've uh, you know, we've obviously gotten to the point where, uh, you know, they're making more Star Wars movies. But, it, you know, it sounds like, you know, like this trilogy is going to sort of like wrap up the, the Skywalker saga in some way. Um, so at what point do we start getting Star Wars remakes? Ooh. Cause, yeah. Because, you know, when we, when we were sitting in the, I was in the theater watching the the final Harry Potter movie. I was with a, a group of friends and I was watching that. And I said, you know, 20 years from now, we're going to be watching the remakes of, of the Harry Potter movies. And everybody's like, ah, oh, no, that'll never happen. You know, it's going to happen. So at some point, Disney's going to be like, Hey, you know, we, we could make some money if we, we, uh, we make some, uh, some remakes here. Or they can just, you know, um, keep specializing the, the, the original ones. I mean, technically, the special editions were in a way remakes. It was George Lucas trying to update 
the classic trilogy so that when you took it and you put it up next to the prequels that they'd have a more consistent look to them although i don't think he really accomplished that but that was you know his rationale he he didn't and and the funny thing was you know he, he like i said if that was his goal it it didn't really do it um and None of none of the things that he added, because there were a couple scenes that he he just, you know, that were new that he he just he just added. None of them actually added anything to the story. You no, know? they were just yeah, just ships taking off and landing. Couple you know background stuff done here and there. Han Which, talking to Jabba the Hutt. That was mm-hmm. that was that was it. <clears throat> yeah, and which um, oddly enough, uh, while it's kind of people criticize it now i i was at those screenings when those when people were going to them and people were cheering when they saw all the the additions that were made so they were celebrating it then and somewhere along the line people decided they didn't like it which is weird it's kind of like you know me and relationships where i date a girl in the beginning she really likes me and somewhere along the line she decides i suck so maybe she wow. got on the internet and they started talking about me and they changed her mind. I don't know. That's uh, that's <laughs> happened to me too. Yeah. So so and then then you take the Force Awakens and the Force Awakens itself looks very different from the previous films. You know, it's got a very different color palette to it. And J.J. Abrams really, you know, kind of did his own thing. Which I have, I have to say now, now you may not uh, you may not agree with me here. I really liked the look of the uh, Force Awakens. No, I, uh, we talked about this last week. You know, um, the Force Awakens worked very well. It felt more like a the middle chapter, like it, it felt like JJ um, was trying to do his own version of Empire Strikes Back, wanting it to be darker. You know, I'm doing the air quotes right now, darker. Because the, the the color palette had all these, it was very dark and had all the red tones and and um and, and you know just pretty much felt like we weren't going back to the light, airy, bright uh, world of let's say a new hope, but something you know a tad more grim. Well, and, well there was uh, a, there were a lot of little things that they did that were you know you could tell that were done differently, like the. Uh, you know, the lightsabers, instead of having, uh, you know, basically having a, a green stick and then they would, you know, superimpose the lightsaber later, they actually had light up lightsabers. And so you could see it actually like reflecting off of them. And that was something you had never had before in, in, the, in the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy. And just having that, that, that little, little bit of uh, a, a difference there in the way that they filmed it, that to me, it looked, it looked really great. <laughs> It did. And and uh, from what I've, you know, the little that we've seen from the teaser on Last Jedi, Last Jedi looks like it's even going to be different. You know, it's going to have a bit of a different look to it. Um, you know, they're they're not keeping um, the DP, you know, uh, throughout. They, it looks like everyone's going with their own DP. So uh, Ryan Johnson's stuff looks different from J.J. Abrams stuff. <clears throat> I remember in the classic, you know, uh, in the um, when they were doing the classic films. The big thing was that um, while Lucas didn't direct all three films, he did the editing on Empire and Return of the Jedi. And that's why the films kind of had a consistent look to them, because he did all the bits with, you know, emulating the looks and the cuts, the cuts and the wipes. Everything looked like the same serial from time to time to time. 
So <clears throat> I'm just curious to see how, how this next one's going to be. And again, you know, there's so much going on. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if uh, they decide after they, they polish, you know, they finish off the Skywalker saga, if they decide to move past it, you know, after what episode nine is supposed to be, because it seems to me Star Star Wars can fall into that same trap that the Star Trek movies are in right now, which is they don't want to do anything past next generation. They just keep going back. If anything, they, just, they keep going back before the classic trilogy, <clears throat> which makes no sense to me. Yeah. I mean, that classic trilogy is a classic series, you know, which makes no sense to me. Yeah, and uh, I I will say that uh, you know, as far as spinoff movies. There's 30 years between, you know, Return of the Jedi and, and The Force Awakens that you can mine, but still, you're, you're going you're gonna to want to get into some open territory where you can tell a story where literally anything can happen because you're not trying to tie into anything. Right. And, you know, that stuff, I'm, I'm fully expecting them to start doing, um, like, animated series and comic books and books that fill in those gaps you know, between Return of the Jedi and um, and The Force Awakens, because they still haven't told the story about, you know, Luke and the Jedi Academy and all those things, which, I, from what I understand, even Ryan Johnson's not going to completely explain in The Last Jedi. So, we'll see. And I've also heard that, uh, like, Snoke is barely going to appear in this thing. So it's not like, uh, it's not like this is going to be a big uh, Snoke origin story or anything like that. He's just... He's he's going to be kind of like the emperor in the in the first couple movies, where he's just you know sort of alluded to, and you know they have a couple conversations, and that's about it. And add to that, <clears throat> Leia does exit the trilogy here, so that's gonna they say that's gonna be something. That's gonna be heartbreaking. Yeah, I uh, well, I mean, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. What no matter what they do, it's gonna be it's gonna be heartbreaking because it's. You know, no matter what they decide to do, even if they do like bring her back in some sort of CG way, uh, it's still going to be the last movie that you know she she filmed. So, no matter what they do with it, it, even if they come up with some some way like you know Scotty when he came back on Star Trek: The Next Generation and he just sort of took a shuttlecraft out into nowhere, uh, even if they did something like that, you know it's it's the last one she actually got to film. So, no matter no matter what they do in the story, it's going to be heartbreaking. Yep. <clears throat> One thing that isn't heartbreaking, though, is getting uh, headphones and accessories from Tweaked Audio. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> that was, wow. That was one hell of a segue. I mean, I cannot top that segue, but I can top your intro by saying that <laughs> Tweaked Audio offers headphones and accessories with key features like eight colors and styles, mic'd and non-mic'd versions, which are good for either uh, co-op gaming, uh, podcasting, phone calls, uh, listening to your favorite music. They're designed to sound great for both music and talks. So if you're listening to this podcast <clears throat> or any of the others on the pod, on the Radio Misfits podcast network, there are, um, there are noise reducing designs with a lifetime warranty. How do you get a hold of one of these great accessories? You go to tweakedaudio.com. Again, that's tweakedaudio.com. And when you're about to check out, enter the discount code GCG. That's GCG for Geek Counter Geek. And you'll get 33% off 
and free worldwide shipping. The code is not case sensitive. And when you enter that code GCG at checkout, they'll know that Geek Counter Geek sent you. They sure will. And, uh, you know, <coughs> using your tweaked audio headphones, you can listen to any of the podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like uh, Sheffield's Beer School with uh, Teddy Brunson, uh, one of the newest additions here at, uh, at Radio Misfits. Uh, obviously, the caffeinated comics, which I think you're on about every other week. Um, <laughs> I'll be going back soon. Uh, do we, we need to talk about um, Doctor Who. We are always talking about Doctor Who. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a couple weeks since uh, somebody's talked about Doctor Who, uh, the winemakers, <laughs> because we just love uh, booze here on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Uh, Minutia men, they uh, they uh, they talked about, interestingly enough, uh, how beer can make you smarter. Uh, so when I say we're we're all about the booze here on the Radio Misfits uh, podcast network, I'm not kidding. We actually are. And then, of course, there are. The Dishing Bitches. The Dishing Bitches who are the complete package. They're smart, they're beautiful, and they're boozy. Okay, that last part I'm not that sure about, but I'm pretty sure they like their wine. I mean, I do not know any woman who doesn't like their wine. So No, that's, that's pretty universal. <coughs> and, of course, uh, coming up in a couple weeks, I believe his first show is uh, September 5th, Dan McNeil, Unsupervised. Uh, Dan McNeil, who for folks who would listen to sports radio in Chicago, Dan McNeil, kind of a kind of a big deal, Dan McNeil. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what he's talking about on his um, on his podcast, whether he's going to talk about sports, talk about his own personal <clears throat> trials, you know, dealing with um, wrestling with the demons that he has or just to really just talk about sports betting all the time, because that's the big thing. That is the big thing. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a podcast that, that he's doing on his own so he can talk about anything that he wants. You know, usually that's not the case on, uh, on, the, on the radio. So it'll, it'll be really interesting to hear what he comes up with. I'm looking forward to it. Assuming, of course, we all live to see September 5th. And believe it or not, that, that's not really assured at this point. Um. Things, things, well, have, okay. things have settled down a little bit in uh, North Korea. But, see, here's the thing. So North Korea was all, uh, all in a tizzy because of the, the sanctions against them because of their nuclear program, right? And, that, and that's how this whole fight started. Yearly, we have these war games with South Korea that North Korea always starts a fight over. And that's happening, like, this week. So we hadn't even gotten to the thing that North Korea is usually mad about. <laughs> well, yeah, and then um, you know, and it never it never helps when you have uh, James Franco and and Seth Rogen making movies that you know piss off Kim Jong Un. So yeah, this is probably it, uh, you know I I realize uh, listen the guy's a, a brutal dictator and um, you know uh, nobody I I don't I think it's safe to say most people don't like him. But uh, let you know, it's probably not a good idea to needlessly pick fights with him. Now, I still, I hear he does have a higher approval rating among um, his his people than Trump does, though. I mean, you know, thirty seven percent still higher than thirty six. It is, <clears throat> yeah. It, it <laughs> is. So I, I was looking at uh, movies about nuclear Armageddon because you know of all this all this uh, nonsense going on, and uh, there have been a lot of them 
over the years. And uh, a lot of people recommended uh, quite a few that I had never heard of uh, on Facebook. Um, the, the two most disturbing movies that I've, that I've seen about uh, nuclear war were The Day After and Threads. And uh, I think we talked a little bit about The Day After uh, because that, that one was uh, a Nicholas Meyer joint. And um, I think he, he wrote and directed that, if I'm not mistaken. Now, if uh, remind, uh, <clears throat> refresh my memory, because I remember the day after being this huge event on television, right? Yeah, I think it would have been in, in, in Yeah, it was it was uh, made for TV. It was uh, eighty three, um, and, and yeah, like there were schools doing things about it, and uh, it was a it was a big deal at the time. I was I was one, so I wasn't watching it, but uh, uh, I. <clears throat> I mean, I was pretty young when it came out. I remember my father um, uh, being very interested in it because something, you know, thinking about nuclear war, there was a time, you know, especially when you hear, oh, we've got enough uh, nuclear weapons to destroy ourselves a thousand times over. You think, oh, once a nucle the nuclear war starts, that's it. We're, you know, the, the planet's just going to be just one giant dust ball, you know, once it's over. Yeah, like a big uh, flash of light and we're all, we're all dead. We're all dead, everything, you know, like all incinerated, like Judgment Day, right? Um, Terminator 2. Mm. And uh, but then the day after was one of those first films that made you think kind of like made you consider how life would be um, if you survived the nuclear war. And and we're we now know more than more than ever that <clears throat> just because a nuclear bomb goes off, it doesn't necessarily mean that all life is obliterated. I mean, we've had the the um, the nuclear disaster in Chernobyl. You had the 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 um, reactor issue that happened in Japan. I'm drawing a blank as to exactly where it happened. Uh, Fukushima. We are the Fukushima uh, reactor, right? Which no, not necessarily nuclear explosions, but the the concern always was that radiation would be what kind of like wipes you out, and that nothing can recover after that. We already know from Chernobyl that life came back. We know at Fukushima that uh, even although sea life was you know impacted there, life still did go on. And, and that's so, interesting <clears throat> because uh, you know, like uh, if uh, if a nuclear war happened, like that's a that's a one time event. You know, like it's a it's obviously a a, a big explosion, uh, but then it's over. And, you know, there's a lot of radiation and everything that would be left over from that. But it's a one time thing. And the thing with Chernobyl and Fukushima is it's it's ongoing. Like there's still radioactivity leaking out of both of them. Uh, not not so much in the air at uh, Chernobyl because they, you know, they put a big lead thing on top of it. But, uh, you know, at, at Fukushima, certainly, and, and, you know, it's it's leaking into, you know, the ground and water and everything like that. So you would think that that would be it would be more difficult for nature to recover from that. But like <clears> you <throat> said, you know, in both places, it's uh, it's overrun with life, just not human life. And so, we're, yeah, so we're discovering more and more what, you know, I mean, the, the truth is people still don't even scientists don't completely understand what happens to life when exposed to nuclear radiation you know we're still learning that um yeah uh, let's uh, uh, but you know hiroshima <clears throat> and nagasaki both those cities you know it's not like you know it's not like uh, japan is a giant dustbin 
So, um, you know, again, we're, we are still learning about it. And something like the day after was probably that first time when we were thinking, huh, if nuclear war happens and, you know, and we're not completely obliterated, what's the world going to be like? What's living on a, on a planet like that going to be like? Am I just going to die? You know, is my, all my hair going to fall out and I'm just going to, you know, disintegrate into a pile of slush because of nuclear fallout? Um, will there be zombies? You know, those are all things that we started um, really considering afterward. Ooh, that's not one that we've had yet. The post-nuclear war zombies. Because we've had zombies come from just about everything else, but but not a nuclear <laughs> war. I, I, I like where you're headed. I think we, we could have a movie of the week idea here. A movie. Uh, I, it's been done in comics and books and all, but no, I don't know if we've had a movie. I'm pretty sure Sci-Fi Channel's done yeah. something. Uh, but, well, uh, well, you know, the day after, even though there was a lot of stuff that was, like, too gruesome for TV, you know, that they ended up cutting out. Like there mm-hmm. was, uh, there was supposed to be one scene in the movie where, um, I mean, the, the 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 precursor scene is actually in the movie, where there's a bunch of people like running into a uh, uh, a bomb shelter, and the the scene that they uh, they cut out of the movie was that everybody in that bomb shelter uh, suffocates because the fireball sucks up all the oxygen. And they, ah. you know, they, they cut out, out stuff like that. But they even, you know, they even have like a, a, uh, a card at the end that says, you know, this was bad and all, but it's nowhere near as bad as an actual nuclear war would be. It's, you know, it's a really toned down version of it. And the, you know, the version where they, they actually didn't uh, cut any corners uh, was, was threads. Because that basically says we're all doomed. Like even if you, even if you survive the nuclear war, uh, you know, they, they go a couple generations into the future. They're like, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty miserable life and everybody's going to die. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, can, can you give me something a little more heart, a little more like uplifting like like that? Um, how about that Cloverfield sequel um, that took place? But wait, but it wasn't a nuclear war. It was I think a, it was aliens again, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, but it was. Um, well, we don't find out until later that it's aliens. We think, you know, it makes it seem like world the world went through kind of a, a some sort of disaster. It was a 10 Cloverfield Lane and people, you know, they're living in a bomb shelter and it, something happened. Um, and I'm like, you know, I, you have a big fight and then um, you, you, you think humanity is wiped out and then you come up to the surface and you find out it's not humanity. It's aliens. And you see that it's aliens and you're like, oh, yay, actually, this is better. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> you're like that guy on the ancient aliens show was right. It is aliens. It is aliens. Aliens, man. It's aliens. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, well, if it makes you feel any better, that was the nuclear fallout, uh, 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 you know, grouping of movies that I had. So, like, a- everything after this is much more cheerful. Well, okay. So, we've got... Your your end of the world world comes to an end because of nu- nuclear war. Fine, we're already we're not even talking about the stuff that's probably more likely, right? Right. You know? um, like, yeah. It, it, there were there there were two uh, actually made for TV movies that were really good that that uh, two people pointed out to me. Uh, one was Special Bulletin and the other was Countdown to Looking Glass. And yeah. Special Bulletin uh it involves like terrorists setting off a nuclear bomb so it's actually you know like really 
cromulent these days because you could you could see that happening. I'm not sure if that makes it like really entertaining or really horrifying because you know it could happen. The only good news is that in uh, special bulletin they actually evacuate like almost everybody from the city, so uh, that's good. The bomb yeah. the bomb still goes off at the end, but they they evacuate just about everybody. Yeah, but then, well, see, bombs. We're, we keep talking about bombs, and even with even with the bombs and terrorism, I mean, they're they're not even thinking about. They're thinking about things like sarin, and and um and biohazardous materials. I mean, I look at a movie like Contagion. You know, remember Contagion? <clears throat> that, oh yeah, that, uh, um, that that came out just a couple of years ago, and it was uh, I think Kate Winslet was in it. Uh... Kate Winslet, Gwyneth Paltrow, Matt Jude Damon, Law, too. yeah, Matt Damon, and and um, it's about you know this whole the, the world just having this this disease just running through running rampant throughout you know throughout the world and and people are dying left mm-hmm. and right and they just barely figure out um, a um, a vaccine you know to protect people from it and then when you see at the very end how the contagion actually started. Like, oh, my God. I mean, I will never eat at a Chinese restaurant ever again after I saw that. <laughs> well, I, it's uh, uh, the uh, the Planet of the Apes movies or the, the new uh, movies is, you know, they're actually kind of the same way because that, you know, one person gets infected with this disease because of, you know, kind of stupid reasons. And then he comes in contact with his neighbor, and his neighbor's a pilot. And that pretty mm-hmm. much, that be, that's literally all that has to happen for uh, humanity to get wiped out. Well, isn't that what they say, how the AIDS epidemic started? You know, there was a patient zero, and that patient zero was um, possibly a flight attendant or someone, someone who did travel back and forth a lot. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's not, un- it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. I mean, it's happened before. Um, so it, 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 it seems to be, oh man, why I, this, this podcast has me convinced that we're on the verge of another pandemic, <laughs> man. I thought this was going to be interesting, but things have gotten dark, dark, really dark. Can we go back to the nuclear option? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. A countdown to looking glass is uh, interesting because it, you know, like, like that in special bulletin, they're both like war of the world sort of things where they're, um, like they're fake newscasts, uh, not to be confused with fake news. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and you could just see like people joining them like midway through and thinking they're actually happening. Well, you know, it's um, I'm trying to remember the made for TV. There was another made for TV movie about a nuclear bomb going off. And it was um, they, it, they played it like, yeah, like you said. It was, um, or maybe we are talking about the same thing, because I, I just remember it's like because they played it as a, as the whole thing plays as a newscast, and it really they had to keep putting on the bottom this is fictional, this is fictional, this is not actually happening. Yeah. I mean, like a little crawl across the bottom, and then then you get to the bit when the bomb actually goes off. You see the bomb go off, and the the camera folks are exposed to it, and they're going, ah, oh, that looks so bad. That's so cheesy. You know, you, you told me this whole time that it wasn't real. And then I see that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not real. <laughs> special <laughs> effects. That's, that's a really crappy special effects, dude. Well, I mean, first of all, I think if, if they were that close to a bomb, I don't think the camera would work. 
Yeah, right. And you know, it's kind of like when when uh, when your 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 older cousin puts a blindfold on you and he goes, "Here, put your hands in this bowl of worms and intestines," and you reach and you go, "That's spaghettios. I can tell spaghettios." <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I'm not sure if this will make you feel any better, but uh, Failsafe was a good movie because you were following the president during a nuclear crisis. I'm not sure if that would make you feel better now. Um, probably not. Because the president has to like, uh, you know, it, it's one of these things where there's uh, where the, their solution to it is is uh, kind of. I I don't know how realistic it is, because basically what happens is one of our. Uh, B-52s accidentally nukes a, a Soviet city and they're like okay we get this was an accident so uh, if you nuke one of your cities we'll just call it a day and oh, that, that's like, that, right yeah that, that's their that's their solution to it and it and it's interesting because obviously it it avoids a nuclear war which is good but I you know like I don't know that I could picture that conversation actually happening well, it's like that Star Trek episode of Taste of Armageddon, you know? It's like, oh, well, uh, go, oh, that city blew up. Okay, everyone, go to the incinerators, you know? And up, oh, up, oh, that city blew up. Up, oh, your people have got to go now. Yeah, because that, so. that's, like that's like a war games type thing where the computer just says, okay, we had a fight, this many people died, so you've got to go into the incinerators. Mm-hmm. So, oh. But then, you know... But then the leader of the free world makes this impassioned speech about the horrors of war and how we've evolved beyond that. And, oh, we are so screwed. Yeah, I don't see the leader of the free world making an impassioned speech for a uh, call for peace. I, I just oh, don't see that happening right now. Well, I don't know. Angela Merkel can make a good speech. <laughs> and uh, by Dawn's Early Light is really good, but it's, a, it's basically an update on Failsafe, and it takes place in 1990, so it's literally like the end of the Cold War. It's, it's the, the last of the great Cold War nuclear war movies. And it, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's pretty good, kind of, uh, kind of disturbing, because uh, there, there's one uh, now, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he played the dad in A Christmas Story. Um, Darren McGavin. Oh, yeah. Now I know who you're uh, Gavin, um, for his first name is Gavin. I'm drawing a blank on his last name. But um, I also know him for um, the, um, he was the original Oscar Goldman in The yeah. Six Million Dollar Man. He, he was Darren McGavin. That was. Uh, Darren McGavin, right. And, and it's funny because uh, there's, uh, uh, basically Washington gets nuked, so they think that the president is dead, but he's not. So they find the, thinking that the president is dead, they find the Secretary of Interior, who's the only person who actually wasn't in D.C. at the time. So they say, hey, you know, everybody in D.C. is dead, so you're the president now. And when he walks on the plane, he goes, okay, are we winning this nuclear war yet? <laughs> and, like, everybody is, like, horrified. They're like, well, you can't really win a nuclear war, except for one, one colonel who's like, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to beat these Soviets. And, of course, that's the guy he listens to. Oh goody! So it, it's that's like putting that's like putting Stephen Miller in charge of the White House. I'm sorry, I so wanted to avoid politics today. But <laughs> here we are. <laughs> well, I've set you up for so many, so many, uh, so many things. Um, but you know, you know, to to uh, to end on a on a somewhat positive note, there there's also Doctor Strangelove. So I mean, that's that's just funny. 
can we get Bannon like to ride that bomb, you know, down as it's dropping onto Moscow? Uh, well, Bannon's already out of work, so you know no, but, we don't have to worry but, about him too much. But well, something to do. It'll be like okay, you know, kind of like when you took you took Fredo out for a, a little boat ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah I could see that happening. Hey Steve, wanna want to go for a little horsey ride? You know, put a quarter in it. You get to ride it. Nice view. <laughs> <laughs> nice view right up until the end. I mean, really, times have changed. I mean, think about it. Back in like 2004, everyone was all upset about Saddam Hussein having yellow cake, and it's 2017, and people are pissed about Tina Fey having sheet cake. Proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron.